You don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Cloud, but you have to you have to sign in uh, to access that information, and the all the patients' uh, records are uh, the sign-ins, mm-hmm. the practitioner sign-ins are all recorded, so the patient can request who is. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome once again to the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. It is so great to be here on another fabulous, fantastic Friday, uh, the second Friday of June. I cannot believe this, Marcus. I can't believe it. By the way, it is great to have you with me (laughs) again on the show. Yeah, it's great to uh, be with you, John. As we have an amazing show this evening. Yes, we do. Uh, We're going to be talking with uh, a great guest a little bit later in the program. Uh, His name, in case you're wondering, is Dr. Michael Hutchison. And we're going to be hearing some great truth from him a little bit later in the program. Yeah. Well, Marcus, uh, it was lights out for many major websites this past Monday. (laughs) I think it gives uh, the new phrase to the coin of having a bad day a whole new meaning and so some of the sites knocked offline were none other than the new york times reddit amazon Mm. spotify and many others of course the company did apologize uh that was fastly and for those of you that don't know who fastly is they're uh, an advanced cloud computing company and uh a quote i want to read And it said they had a bug in its code and it had lain dormant until a customer updated their settings, which then took down 85% of the company's network. Marcus, (laughs) I don't know. When I hear things like this, it just makes me believe that we have junior people behind a plane. Uh, Or we have, I don't want to say kindergartners, but we have people that don't even know how to turn on a computer, and I'm being facetious here, but can you believe a company like Fastly that would allow something like this to just slip under their noses? I just have three words, shame on you, because how do we trust a company like this? And I think what it really states, Marcus, is that we need to not just rely on one company, especially when it's a, a worldwide resource like New York Times or um, other types of companies out there. Right. We can't just rely or the, the stock market. There has to be redundancy and not just redundancy in uh, Internet service providers, but that they have redundancy in the cloud servers and yeah. cloud computing that they have and web servers. So I think this is just really something that should have never happened and uh what are your thoughts on this marcus i really feel like it is first class amateur like you said you know i agree with you all well, the i know on. it's crazy that yeah. all this is happening isn't it yeah it and is. you know i don't know what's going on but i think people really need to understand that just because you're a large corporation 
doesn't really mean you know exactly what you're doing. Nah. All right. So, again, this really caused quite a bit of challenges for people right. around uh, the United States. Mm. And a lot of people thought they had issues with their system, but really, it was no issue. There was basically a problem uh, in the code. And again, it had nothing to do with people's local computers. A lot of people thought they had viruses. They were wondering why posts suddenly got deleted. And it was nothing to do with anything locally mm. other than a resource um, problem on the servers by code that was not properly tested. You know, Marcus, this makes me think of the Y2K issue and that how yeah. people knew it was going to happen, but they didn't really get involved to do something with it until it became a problem where they knew it was going to be a big problem. <laughs> well, in other news, if that wasn't uh, big enough news for <laughs> what a us way to open already, <laughs> I'm sure you probably enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, Facebook is now embracing the 50-50 work-life balance. Mm. What does this actually mean? Well, that is a great question for many of us to try to ascertain. And in English, what it means is that uh, Facebook's offices will be opening at 50% of capacity in September 2021. Okay. Well, that's good news. Yeah, and they're planning a full reopening by October 2021. And uh, those staff members are still waiting right now. Many of them for remote work approval have to return back to work uh, at this time. Uh, Mark Zuckerberger told employees this past Wednesday that he plans to spend a half of next year working remotely. Mm -hmm. And I want to quote something that Mark said. I found that working remotely has given me more space for long-term thinking and helped me spend more time with my family, which has made me happier and much more productive at work. Close quote, he wrote to staffers. And I have to agree. I don't agree yeah. with a lot of things yeah, that Mark too. says. Yeah, definitely. However, you know, being able to spend more time with family and being able to really unplug from technology mm -hmm. and just be grateful for what's around you, right. I think it gives a whole new meaning to the idea of creativity and being productive. And I think more people need to understand that there needs to be that work balance. I don't agree that we should give up going to work 100%. No, and I think many companies agree that they should stay home. I think it's important to have the team on site with you because yeah. there's only so much you can do virtually. And I have to say, this virtual stuff, it's for the birds. Whether we're talking <laughs> networking, whether right. we're talking meetings, it's Oof. for the birds. Yeah. Because you don't get the same experience, ladies and gentlemen, as you do when someone is sitting right across from you. So we're just going to have to wait and see what's going to happen with that, Marcus, because uh, – I think a lot's going to change. I mean, we know the real estate market is changing, and yeah. a lot of people now, instead of getting three floors uh, that they had before, are getting six floors, which is mm -hmm. different than what a lot of people were saying because we thought that space would be cutting back, and it is, but there are a lot of places where they're asking for double the amount of space, not everywhere, so that they can have more room to spread out. Hmm. It's going to be interesting. We'll have yeah. to definitely <laughs> just wait and see You know what's going to happen. Right. Well, anyway, my next guest, uh, Dr. Michael Hutchinson, uh, he is an amazing gentleman. Uh, he is uh, a U.S. Army Special Forces covert combat veteran and an alumni, alumni of the University of the Pacific. Uh, thank you very much for your service, uh, Dr. Hutchinson. We greatly appreciate that. Yeah. Dr. Hutchinson is now a medical services consultant 
uh, at the Advocate Consulting Group, ACG. They offer exclusive exceptional provider programs which are aimed at helping medical practices improve patient outcomes, increase practice revenue, reduce malpractice liability, and increase uh, macro compliance. Mm -hmm. ACG also offers pandemic relief programs and developed a COVID-19 care unit, which comes equipped with testing, evaluation, and treatment facilities. Wow. Wow. Dr. (laughs) Hutchison is also a consultant for Pharmanex, Pharmacogenomic, cellular anti-aging supplements, which are based on learnings from leading genetic researchers and anti-aging specialists. We are excited right now to welcome Dr. Michael Hutchison's to the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. Well, hi, everyone. It is John C. Morley with the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. I am very pleased to have Dr. Michael Hutchison uh, with us here on the show. Welcome, doctor. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. You know, a lot of things uh, happening with COVID and stuff like that. But going back to a lot about what you do, which is uh, in pharmacy, I have to ask you, doctor, what got you so passionate to want to get into pharmacy? My uh, desire to help others improve their lives. I think a lot of times... uh, you know, when you hear about pharmacy, you hear about different drugs, but I think it's so important to have the compassion for patients and I guess really understand what it is they need and not just take a drug for anything, right? That's correct. I, I wish I wish more more doctors uh, in our world would have the philosophy that you do uh, because okay. I think they think if you just throw a drug at it, well, if it doesn't work, we'll just throw another drug at it. <laughs> but, you know, when we talk about drugs and we talk about our world and, you know, COVID-19, how has the um, changes to our ecosystem now with what's evolving with COVID-19 and technologies and preparations and sanitation, how are things changing in the ecosystem right now? Telehealth is one uh, area that's uh, dramatically improved and increased. Uh especially since the technology has uh, been developed because of the COVID to make it a lot easier for the patients and the providers to uh, even work from home, talk to the patients from home. So now with the Internet of Things and being able to monitor like blood pressure, glucose level and a host of other things because of IOT, I know two things come up. One is privacy. Uh, And second is how accurate are these devices and do doctors need to be certified to use this type of technology or what's going on so that there is a standard? Because it seems like some doctors may not have the technical background with all due respect and they don't want to learn this. So how do they handle this when we hear about telehealth? There are several organizations that can educate uh, the private healthcare practitioners on, on this sort of technology. Uh, larger organizations like the Veterans Administration 
for which I was uh, a member of for a long time. Uh, their IT incorporates the, uh, the video, the home monitoring, uh, the home care nursing, um, via the computer, via the uh, smartphone. It's a, it's a it's simply a lot easier, and you do have HIPAA that's involved, and many of the rules have been uh, rewritten around that to uh, make sure that. Uh, the privacy standards are met. But I'm guessing we still have a long way to go. I mean, they're definitely really trying, but I think there's still ways that we have to go to make sure this information is, let's say, not falling into the wrong hands. When uh, both the patient and the practitioner are educated in terms of the privacy so when the patient goes on to the, when the practitioner connects with the patient on the screen before the patient connects with the provider, there is a, uh, an agreement the patient needs to read and agree to, and that is the privacy. They want to make sure that the patient is either alone or in a private place to where things can be discussed. Same with the, uh, the practitioner needs to be in a private place, just like it could be from their office. It could be from their home in a, in a room with the door closed where there's complete privacy. Uh, these, all of these meet the HIPAA, but you do have to have, an agreement by the patient to agree to to uh, do these um, telehealth communications. I think that's a great thing. But my concern is, I always believe the patient and the and the medical professional are going to do the right thing. That's never been my question. What I'm always thinking about is the data. Okay, because let's think about it. Every organization around. It's not what they do that makes them money. It's their data that makes them money. And if they could sell data to people that have certain conditions or what have you, that falls into the wrong hands. And that's always my concern. And I've seen data like this already be leaked. So that's well, the, my biggest concern. Well, the, the telehealth video or audio communications are not recorded. The practitioner... Uh, just does the same as if you were to see the practitioner in the office. They take notes or they enter into the into your record while they're talking to you the information that they're uh, they need to input into your record. And so your record is not the data is not the data is being entered separately. So I do not see where having these video conferences that are not recorded uh, being a violation of HIPAA. It's not so much the telehealth. I guess I'm talking about the other pieces where you talk about their data and their identity. 
something as simple as a blood pressure monitor, for example, or a glucose monitor. They have links into the patient's information. That link goes to a third party. My concern is that that data is being passed because when it's processed in like a public cloud, it's really not 100% clean. Like, for example, the uh, uh, I have my uh, blood glucose monitor and I'm able to download the the readings and then I'm able to upload onto the VA's private communication uh, website, My Healthy Vet. And so doing things in that way, you're avoiding email, you're avoiding putting things in the cloud. That's, that's the important thing is avoiding what you put in the cloud and how you transmit the information. Exactly. But some of these systems out there, when you go to offices, all of their data is in the cloud because they're using hosted um, office practice medical systems. Well, generally, there are a lot of things. Even the VA has has their own cloud, but you have to you have to sign in uh, to access that information. And. The all the patients uh, records are uh, the sign-ins, mm -hmm. the practitioner sign-ins are all recorded. So the patient can request who is signed in to look at my uh, information. So if they suspect that their information's been leaked out, then the privacy department at the VA okay, and go in and print out a list of everyone that is signed in to view that patient's record. So they have an audit trail, basically. Correct. And so okay. uh, whenever, uh, like, for example, on my record, there's a warning to whoever signs in before they sign in to access my record that their access is being recorded. Okay. Very similar to if you go into a bank or certain places and they say, you know, log on from this machine is only by duly authorized uh, employees and contractors. Uh, any um, attempt of illegal login or impersonation will be fully prosecuted to the extent of the law. Correct. And uh, the VA, like with uh, many of the federal government and military, they now have what's called a PIV card. It's a privacy card where the practitioner is vetted and there's a chip authorizing that practitioner to only specific areas relating to their practice as to what they can access in in that patient's record. So just because you have a PIV card, you have to put that in. If you don't have the PIV card, then you're not going to get access to that patient's record. And uh, 
when you do insert the card into your computer, whether it's a desktop or laptop, uh, the practitioner is only allowed access to that patient's record that is pertinent to that practitioner's scope of practice. Right. So if you had 200 patients, you'd only be able to access your patients, basically. Well, that's all you should be accessing right. is your right. patients. But if you're a dietitian, you're not able to access uh, the patient's uh, uh, disability information. You're not able to access some of the other patients. Okay. Private and private information. Your access is limited, is what I'm trying to say. Depending but a weight loss clinic, for example, like I know a lot of medical practices that have a weight loss clinic. Right. The weight loss clinic operates in conjunction with the medical practice. And so the weight loss clinic does need to see the medical sides because they have doctors on both sides, and even the dietitians need to see like certain things like the blood levels and stuff like that. So that can help them into their diet. Right. So I guess that's an exception right. or a special case. However, when the when the dietitian cannot order pain medications. I got you. Right. Okay. The uh, dietitian's uh, prescription orders are related to dietary. Like that makes sense. I, so it just kind of keeps everybody kind of in their own zone, but not so much just with the patients, but also in their disciplines to what information. So that if I'm in a company and I have HR records, well, not everyone gets access to the HR records. The management only needs to get access to their just job description, but not necessarily how much they're getting paid an hour or anything else about them. Their birth date, that's none of the, uh, of the manager's job, but the HR person can have that access. Correct. It's, it depends on your level of security that you have. Which governs the amount of what you're able to access. Well, that, that's the whole. That's the key, Doctor Michael. I had a gentleman on uh, a few months ago, and we were talking about this governance. And with IoT, the whole world has expanded to governance, and that there's been a lack of governance on a lot of Internet of Things devices because everybody's so quick to want to get them to the market that they don't have the full privacies on them. They haven't been fully tested. And information's being compromised. And we know on ourselves things like Clubhouse, parts of it are being shut down because their corporate offices are in other countries. They don't have the same rules. Uh, in other countries right now, they're allowed to be spamming people. They're allowed to be using multiple VPNs and sending bot attacks. United States, we won't tolerate that. But in other countries, their laws are very loose and they could do pretty much whatever they want. Right. So I think I think that's a big challenge. And I think you've probably seen this, too. Medical laws in the U.S. are different from other countries. I'm presuming we have one of the strictest medical laws. I don't know that for sure. OK, because I'm not aware of what other countries have. Uh, you know, you've got uh, like the U.K. or or Cameroon. Uh, these countries have a, a state medical system. So they have a one medical say I believe Canada also has a, a single state medical system okay and so though you know it's different here in the United States we have 
government systems, we have private systems. And then you have your, uh, yeah, private systems and you have government systems. There are so many different types of medical care or health care companies providing a myriad of services. And I think that's where it becomes challenging because a lot of these companies are not in the medical field and they're dipping their toe into it and they really don't understand HIPAA and they've got to get a crash course because they're now trying to provide HIPAA services and they haven't done that before. And I see so much of that unfurling right now. And then they're getting served with papers and notices because they didn't comply with certain standards. Right. For example, in the with the VA system, we have mandatory annual uh, training that we have to complete mm-hmm. by a certain time, certain date. If that's not completed, then we lose our computer access. And you have, it's almost like your, your credit, you have to take so many CEUs basically, right? Every so often you have to take like these CEUs. And, uh, but this is in HIPAA, some of the mandatory, it's HIPAA, Mm -hmm. cybersecurity, privacy, uh, EEOC type things, or EEO type things. It's all across the board. as far as your mandatory uh, education training that you have to complete annually. So you, annually you are reminded and you're updated on all the, the recent HIPAA laws, privacy laws, and this and that so you, you can understand and take them seriously. When I think a lot of people don't take them seriously, but I know when I've had several clients where – they don't understand that the whole office is compliant, but the x-ray machine that they used once in a blue moon had a system that had, let's just say, Windows 7 on it. And when they came in, or Windows XP at that time, and they came in and everything was up to snuff, but the x-ray machine that had a PC that was buried under the system that nobody looked at except for the inspector that came in. Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And said to them, well, that needs to be updated in 60 days or it's a $20,000 fine. Now, to upgrade the system was only 5000 So what were they going to choose? I think it just was a, it was a push to shove. And then they made the policy that you could have only, I think it was $20,000 per incident. And they capped it. I think it was at, I think it was either fifty or $100,000 uh, per practice. So if you had four doctors, you could bill it per practice. So if there were two practices they could infract each one. But if you just had one doctor, there was a cap and hospitals had another cap. But something interesting, I know, uh, Dr. Hutchinson, that we were talking about while we were in the waiting room um, to get into the studio, we were having a quick conversation about COVID. 
And something I found very interesting that I would definitely want to bring to the air was uh, your knowledge and information about the importance of manufacturing. Now, something I wouldn't have ever thought about before when we're talking about needles and you were mentioning something about needles being laser sharpened, which didn't even come to my mind before I knew that it existed, but never really realized that they're still making, I guess, needles in different fashions. I guess that's still happening. Yes. And the, the mechanically sharpened needles are sold at a much lower price and they're generally sold to other countries. Uh, the laser sharpened needles are a little bit more expensive. Uh, they've been laser sharpening needles for several years now. So the price should be coming down by now, I would think. How do but, you know whether your needle is laser sharpened or not? Is there a way to know or not really? Uh, the purchasing agent for the hospital or the medical system, when they purchase these needles, it will stipulate or it will, yes, it will stipulate on how these needles are sharpened. Do we know right now if the CDC, do they, are they mandating that? Do you know if that's something they're mandating or no? I'm not aware of that. Okay. But I know the laser sharpened uh, needles are a lot less painful. And you see more and more of those uh, used by diabetics in the lancets uh, and the syringes. And that, and the needles. Sometimes so manufacturing is really not only going to be important for cost, but also for the quality of our health. And you would never think that manufacturing was going to play a role uh, back in the quality of our health. I know I learned several years ago that when they were doing uh, sterilization, they were doing it with the rods, as you may be familiar with. And then they've kind of changed that process a little bit. And now they're making it that when they sterilize the needles or different things that they use, they're using robots so that they actually preserve people's lives. I was very unhappy to learn when I met someone probably over 15 years ago. And he told me he had this job. He didn't graduate high school or college. And uh, he says he makes very good money. And I said, well, that's fantastic. So as conversation went, I said, well, what do you do? He said, well, I hate my job. So you hate your job. Why do you hate it? So I hate it. I said, well, can I ask what you do? So I really don't like to talk about it. I said, he said, but I'll tell you. He says, I work for a medical company. I said, well, I can understand how that might feel challenging. I said, I'm also a first responder. He says, no. He says, you don't understand. He says, I don't really work with the people. And I still didn't get it. Then he told me he worked in sterilization. I still didn't get it. The light bulb didn't go on yet. I thought autoclave and a lot of stuff. And then he told me it's very dangerous. And then I started pondering. And within a few seconds, and then he was talking, and he said to me, John, what you don't get is that I had to sign a waiver away um, for damage to my life, and I'm still not getting it. And he says to me, because I work with these rods. Now, it's still not clicking yet. And then he says, you know, these things are very dangerous. And then he said the word, radioactive, and then my eyes lit up. And I said, well, how close are you? He says, pretty close. He says, we're handling these things with gloves and we're like within a few feet of the room. I said, there's no seal. I think, nope. He says, um, is that just how it goes right now? He says, somebody has to be able to do that. And um, 
people aren't willing to do that because they could be risking their lives. So then what I learned a few years ago that now we have robots going in there and they're actually doing that task. But that job was still around up until about five or 10 years ago, which blew my mind that we were, I don't want to say the word wasting, but we were harming a life for the ability to do sterilization for something when we probably could have just thrown those things out. Because I see a life as being priceless. So I think those are examples where sometimes the medical industry needs to get, I guess, a spin on what's going on because they don't realize that people are not disposable. Um, people are not replaceable. And that's what bothers me when I see that in the medical industry. It happens in nearly all industries. The human factor oftentimes is less important than the cost factor. You see that over and over and over. Now with the, uh, the UVC, which is harmful UV radiation, right? that is used to sterilize hotel rooms, airplanes, uh, that's also, uh, it's also used in hospitals and a robot now does that procedure. I Human, saw that. Humans cannot be in the room during that procedure. And, and they were in the very beginning, they told us it was safe, but it really wasn't safe. Right. Because it's, it's UV C radiation. This is stuff that causes cancer. You get it from the sun. Uh, you could also sterilize a few things by putting them in the sun. You could do that with water for about anywhere from 30 to two, 30 minutes to two hours. I think it's remarkable when we can use technology to save people's lives, not just from a, from a medical perspective, but also from the fact of having what I call a sustainable life or doing a task like being able to go into a building and check for bombs uh, so a human doesn't have to do that. I think that's just amazing use of technology. Oh, absolutely. And a lot of that was, uh, uh, a lot of those technologies derived from space exploration. Yes. Mr. Mr. Elon Musk and uh, now the new uh, Jeffrey Bezos, who's supposedly trying to understand space when he had no clue about space. He's only getting involved because his uh, his uh, friend that he hates so much uh, is doing it, and he just wants to beat him. It's the uh, low Earth orbit satellite. Uh, previously, those satellites were very few. And there was one uh, contractor that put those satellites in orbit. And those were restricted to uh, military, mm -hmm. uh, first responders, government, law enforcement agencies, disaster emergency agencies. But they weren't very reliable because there were only about 10,000 of them. Yeah. So they, they weren't everywhere. But now our world is changing and the speed of information, as you know, is is growing so quickly, exponentially. Uh, we're talking about things like petabytes and exabytes and the amount of data is getting so large 
where we didn't ever think we would be going past a gig, let alone a terabyte. Now that's becoming yesterday's news when we talk about things like x-rays and uh, other types of larger data like landscaping and 3D reality and all kinds of stuff. So our world is is definitely changing, and I'm sure there's a lot more to come. But listen, uh, Dr. Hutchinson, uh, we're just about the end of our time here, and I just wanted to ask you if any of our folks uh, that are watching the show, uh, either tonight here on our podcast or on the Princeton TV uh, network, uh, would like to reach out to you. Is there some way that they can actually reach out to you if they have further questions or they'd like to get in contact with you? Yes, uh, they can reach me via LinkedIn. Uh, or they can reach me via my email, mdhutch52 at outlook.com. My uh, LinkedIn website is www.linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash mdhutch. Uh, both of those I could be reached at both of those contents. Well, I have to tell you, Dr. Hutchinson, it was a pleasure having you. And just to learn, uh, you know, because you don't see too many um, doctors that go into, um, you know, the pharmaceutical and really take a passion. You either see one that goes one way or one that goes another way because they don't agree. But you seem to get both worlds, which I don't see that every day. Well, thank you very much. Well, again, it was a pleasure having you on the show. And we wish you all the best uh, in your future endeavors this year. Oh, thank you, John, and you as well. Bye-bye. Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Well, Marcus, what did you think of Dr. Michael Hutchinson? Wow, incredible information. Just staying. I know I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I learned a lot of truths that we weren't really being told about during COVID. And something very interesting that uh, I didn't even plan on learning was the fact that needles that are actually uh, made and sharpened with a laser Mm. are literally less painful if having any pain than the ones that are not sharpened uh, by a laser. And those needles uh, have a different blunt on the end and can have a little bit more discomfort when going into your skin. So I think that was really interesting, uh, Michael Uh, Hutchison. Really, Dr. Hutchison gave an amazing, um, you know, uh, talk with us about all these things. And I like the way, you know, he's very down to earth and he just explained everything that we needed to know. And I also like the fact that, you know, when he says something, you know, he says it based on facts and his experience. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come to us based on many years of uh, 
you know, the pharmacy industry and stuff like that. Even though he's in these industries, he speaks from knowledge and from facts, which I like. And you don't see that from a lot of um, doctors. And he's doing some amazing things for the industry. So, yeah. again, I want to thank you, uh, Dr. Uh, Hutchson, for joining the Jay Moore Tech Talk show uh, this evening. I know many of our viewers really appreciated what you brought tonight uh, to the show, as well as myself and also my co-host, Marcus. Yeah, definitely. Now, Marcus, we've been talking about this for a long, long time. JBS uh, Holdings, how they are the largest guys in the meat uh, production industry. And, you know, having to pay the cyber criminals now $11 million. Oh and I want to <laughs> quote something. The recent ransomware attack temporarily knocked out plants which handle about one-fifth of the meat supply for the United States based in Brazil. JBS Holdings is the world's largest meat supplier by sales. Hmm. That's pretty amazing. That and, is. you know, the fact, Marcus, that, you know, this happened and this company that went after them basically did this for one main reason, and that was because they had the money. And, exactly. you know, this company that's coming out of Russia and keeps going out of business and then reopening under different names i mean i think it's absolutely terrible you know what what they're doing but how many companies i know that lost their money actually have gotten maybe 90 percent or even more back because mm. they were able to find the bitcoin accounts that the money was in so mm. that's a good thing it but is. i think you know that the fact that this meat giant paying over the 11 million dollar ransom is absolutely terrible yeah. And, uh, you know, then we heard about what happened with Colonial Pipeline, that they paid a total of $4.4 million. And then, um, you know, hearing all this going on, and thankfully, um, you know, the Bitcoin was able to resu resume, uh, you know, its pipeline. And uh, the Justice Department now managed to retrieve $2.3 of the ransom paid to the Russian hackers. So, I think we're on the right track, but I think yeah. we just got to be doing, you know, more diligence. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, even though this might have been very surprising, um, JBS was quickly backed up and running thanks to their backup systems. They felt the need to still pay the ransom. Now, my question is, Marcus, why did they feel the need to pay the ransom? If they had the backup, right, why did they feel the need? You know, is their security system really not in place when it comes to IT technology? And again, I'm not here to knock other IT and tech companies because, mm -hmm. you know, we're in this industry. I feel that some of them, though, don't really know what's going on. No. And they sell <laughs> things, Marcus, that are to help them make a fast buck. Now, that's not nice to say, but you know I say what the truth is. Mm -hmm. And I've been around this industry for a very long time, and there's so many out there that just try to sell the best thing so they can have the best piece of bread and make the most money tomorrow. A lot of them don't care, Marcus, about what's really going to happen to the business. I remember not too long ago, Marcus, I'm not going to mention the name, but they were a company that started with C. I threw them out over 15 years ago. And this all happened because right. they made a phone system and then they stopped supporting small business or they mm -hmm. claimed that they were mm -hmm. supporting small business. But to them, small business was over 100 users. And then they said, well, your customer is going to need to spend $20,000 because we don't support the no $5,000 system no anymore, way. so we don't make it. Oh, I mean, that's man. just terrible. Yeah. This company would wine and dine us and other things. And, you know, I told them I didn't need to be wine and dine by them. I need right. a company that was actually going to help us and do what's best for us and our clients. So 
we told them to hit the curb, but before we told them to hit the curb, there was one other thing that actually, I would say, broke the camel's back. Mm. We had a client, and it wasn't too long after being disappointed, that uh, one of their network infrastructure uh, hardware pieces went down. And so luckily, we always have backup. And so when we called them up and said, you know, this uh, particular device isn't working right, and without telling exactly what went on, they said, well, you need to go back and reprogram it or you could change it manually. And it wasn't auto-sensing something. So their excuse was to just set it manually, don't worry about it. Well, that was a terrible excuse. Oh, that's terrible. And then they said, well, did you, wow. you know, reload the firmware? I'm like, yeah, we did all that already. So mm-hmm. I then told them that, you know, they need to fix this. They said, well, we're very sorry, but uh, you have to send the unit back. I politely told them that I'm going to take this unit and shove it. <laughs> you know where but i told them i'm politely going to take it and put it in the trash and i'm going to make sure that no one from my company ever buys them again because they are a horrible excuse for a company and i know many banks that actually yank them out because of their poor level of quality when you have to call somebody whether it's amazon whether it's this company that was a c or other companies or the company with a d these people that answer the phone don't have a clue i had to do an rma the other day and the guy because we didn't get a product, actually. I needed to get a replacement. I should say, not really an RMA. And I needed to get the product because they didn't deliver it to us. They delivered it somewhere else. And so they told me that uh, you have to return it first. And how do you want to return it? So how do I return something that I didn't get? I mean, it just annoys me, Marcus, that these people don't understand, not just English, but they don't even understand the concept of what return means. How do you return something we don't have anything to return? Exactly. It's, it's really it's, uh, it's aggravating sad. to me the way, the way people are, are doing oh, this and man. companies are doing this. So wow. we kicked them to the curb and we stopped doing business with them. And so if you don't have the right type of technology securing your network, well, it's not a question of if you're going to get hacked, but when. Right. So what are you waiting for? Why don't you make sure your network is actually fully secure? It's just like your health, ladies and gentlemen. You need to maintain your network and your IT infrastructure and uh, intranet and internet. Remember, intra is inside of your mm-hmm. company. Internet is outside. And also your WAN or your wide area network, if you're part of that, and you're managing those separately. You really got to take care, just like you take care of your body. You got to take care of uh, technology and make sure you're always staying on uh, the top of everything. All right. Well, we have one more story for tonight, Marcus, and that is how would you like to go to a store? Hmm. Okay a new futuristic type of grocery store. And we've heard about this from Amazon, but Amazon kind of stepped out. I don't know if they had problems, but now this new company, um, it's the Valet Market by okay. Excel Robotics, is now manufacturing from the ground up a computer vision and AI tracking type grocery store mm. where you basically enter with your fob or with your phone with a QR code. And uh, they use uh, what they call these AI-empowered stores that they build from the ground up. And Excel has grown its staff to 80% with headquarters in San Diego, in addition to offices in Argentina and Tokyo, which that's nice. I just hope the support is really there. So the way this works in short, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll talk about this in more depth on future shows. But what happens is, let's say you're going to go into uh, a store that is um, cashier-less, and um, basically, it's all self-service. So you walk in the store after you've you know, scanned your phone or your fob, and now I know who's, who you are. And so the cameras basically watch you. And when you go to get something like uh, an item, they have multiple sensors 
around that, not only weight sensors, but cameras. And they make sure when you pick it up and as you pick it up and it comes out of a certain view, then the system automatically will just charge that or put that into your shopping cart, I should mm -hmm. say. And it doesn't charge you until you actually leave the store. So okay. it's interesting what they're doing. Yeah, and when is. you put something back, it basically like removes it from your cart. So think of these stores like an electronic shopping cart where it's just like you adding something to your cart and then removing it respectively based on whether you have it uh, on your person or not. This is going to cause issues when we get into things like alcohol and other types of 21 plus products because these systems are going to need another level of verification. Not that they can't do it, but that's something they're not doing right now. And so that's going to almost require a gated area so that when you go there and you, let's say, try to pull up one of these products that might be adult related or alcohol, you're not going to be able to remove that product if it doesn't know that you're over 21. Oh, and again, that can be very easily yeah. verified. Okay. And when you get there, it will just kind of be locked down. So not only will it be something where, you know, it has to detect, but also has to almost block you from getting to there and maybe they'll have a door on it so that if I want to go to the uh, adult liquor counter and I go somewhere, I literally have to go in through another turnstile or I have to go through a turnstile and then swipe again so it can open up the door on the 21 plus cabinet. So there's lots of things that, that could be done. That could also be happening on certain types of uh, things like Claritin and other types of uh, allergy medication, a similar type of thing. But then they're going to have to check verifications to make sure that uh, you're not allergic to things if you're taking something like that possibly or just are you allowed one or two and what's the limit and keep that associated with you and if you take more than that one it's not going to let you get a second one or more than two then it's going to block you so it's interesting i think yeah. there's a lot that has to happen marcus before we're going to see a true store i mean even yeah. though they have a store that they did open up i think it's the beginning okay yeah, uh they definitely. actually opened a store not too long ago i think it was last month it was an east village that got this futuristic grocery store hmm. and they put this in the bottom of a um a high-end uh type um uh, apartment building and hmm. so the app tracks uh, the individual as they move through the store sensors are built into shelves um to signal to the excel company which items the person picks up it allows the shoppers to literally grab what they want, as I said, and go. And, um, you know, this is interesting. It is. It's However, there are going to be complications. Like yeah. when you go to do a return, do you just walk in and pop something back on the shelf and it just automatically? Or is there like a return process and you put the mm. bin and it has to inspect it, make sure it hasn't been opened? So there's definitely things. I mean, this is the beginning. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've just about come to the end of the show. I don't know where our time goes, Marcus, yeah. but we have <laughs> another amazing guest coming up uh, next week. I'm sure you knew that. Sheila Mack is the author of Bootstraps and Bra Straps and the formula mm -hmm. to go from rock bottom back into action in any situation. She's going to join us. We're going to have a great conversation with her. And I think you guys are really going to find it to be interesting. And uh, I'm really excited to interview her. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not already uh, shared our content, what are you waiting for? <laughs> and if you have an idea for a show, go to jmor.com, click on the Reach Up button in the top right-hand corner, and let us know that you have an idea for a show. If you'd like to be a guest on a show, you'll be able to apply there as well. And remember, it has to be educational content. That is most important. We do get a lot of people. 
We have to refuse a lot of them. So I do want to let you know it has to be educational. Educational is defined as something that is going to help someone improve their life or someone else. It's not about selling a product or a service. It's about the technology or about a journey or something like that. Of course, if you have a question, you can reach out to us. But if you're reaching out and saying, hey, I want to tell people about this product, we're probably going to tell you we're not interested. And uh, I just want you to understand why. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're making lots of strides, including uh, another uh, brother company of ours uh, that is getting off the ground, Neighborhood Productions, a full video uh, company that produces some pretty amazing video content. And uh, you can actually um, check out some of the amazing content we have by going to Envision, E-N-V-I-S-I-O-N, networking on uh, YouTube, or you can go to John, space C, space M-O-R-L-E-Y, serial entrepreneur, and check out my fantastic, fabulous, super motivational Friday motivational videos. And also, don't forget to check out on Envision Networking, Science Fridays, and How to Network with John. Every video has a personal lesson. So our science videos are not just about science. They're actually about how you can improve your life and other people's lives. Well, Marcus, it's that time, unfortunately. Yeah. We have to say goodbye, don't we? Yeah. I would love to stay with everyone. But tell people about our show. We're growing, and we would love you to keep following us and keep telling your friends and associates. But like our stuff. Share it because we got some amazing stuff coming. And, ladies and gentlemen, we are just getting started. Well, I guess we got to wish you guys a great weekend, a very happy, healthy, and a safe one. And remember, get outside, have some fun, exercise, maybe have a barbecue. And I guess we got to say goodbye, Marcus, right? Bye, everyone. All right, bye, everyone. We will see you next week, and take care and be well. Be well. Thank you for tuning in to the Jay Moore Weekly Technology Show, where we answer your questions about how technology is supposed to work and sometimes why you have challenges getting it to work that way. For more IT support and tips, just text IT support to 888 That's IT support to 888 and you'll get tips on technology. I'll see you next week right here on the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. Remember, jmor.com. Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown.